Leading a school district is a unique responsibility, and it's clearly not getting any easier. People rely on you for answers to complicated problems, which feels isolating and sometimes unrealistic. Conferences or webinars, even good ones, don't solve problems when you need it. And sitting and staring at slides with someone talking at you doesn't help either. What if there was a better way? What if you belonged to a national, hand-picked community of Java-alike school leaders who could circle up to strategize and solve your most challenging problems when you need it? What if you had access to ongoing content that helped you solve problems and lead every day? There is a better way. When you join Leading Ed Solutions, you'll join a carefully selected, highly committed group of Java-like peers from across the country, a support system beyond your backyard, school leaders helping other school leaders. Real people tracking real issues in real time. Simply submit your challenge. We'll circle you up with your peers to provide solutions. Our content works because it's accessible, practical, and created by proven leaders just like you. You don't have to lead alone. Apply to Leading Ed today and discover why circles are better than rows. Ladies and gentlemen, hi, how are you? Jeff Rose here, and I'm speaking to leaders, obviously, and Leading Ed members. I hope you're doing well today. And this content really is a continuation on an important theme that we've recently kicked off, and it's to support our members. And really the concept is around leadership, self-care, and state of mind. And the reason that we're focusing on this is maybe potentially obvious. And that is um, life is really hard right now. It's, it's always difficult for leaders because of the burden that you take on. However, during this time, this COVID chaos, it has become uh, much more intense, as you all are aware. And so my job is to look for content that supports you, that supports members, that supports leaders. And um, with this theme in mind, I've been doing some research. Um, and I recently came to um, a really interesting article. And so if you were to look up here on your screen, it says, Serious leaders need self-care too. I read the description. Um, I'm going to read it to you, and you'll probably understand why it became of interest to me. Um, it was this. Despite the well-known benefits, many leaders remain resistant to the whole idea of self-care. The resistance often stems from a feeling that self-care is a sign of weakness, a feeling they just don't have the time, or generally rolling their eyes at the entire concept. Based on this experience, this person I'm going to be interviewing here, I'll be introducing you to here in a second. Um, she is a leadership coach, um, and she offers help to leaders to see the benefits of self-care, as well as concrete strategies to incorporate self-care practices into their daily routine. So I read this article by Polina Neal, um, who is, is also a PhD. This is in the Harvard, Harvard Review, and I became intrigued. So I reached out. And I said to Polina, I, I want to talk to you. I would love to set up a time where you and I could do a leader chat because this content is extremely relevant to our leaders, our members. And um, so without, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Polina. Now, Polina, before we jump in, I want to talk a little bit about you. 
Um, so don't, uh, hopefully this doesn't feel uncomfortable, but um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, Polina is the founder of Unabridged, a leadership coaching and mentoring practice based in Paris. So by the way, she is in Paris, I'm in Atlanta right now, that helps professionals use their power and potential for their greater personal and social impact. She researches and teaches on topics related to women's leadership. She is passionate about development of individuals, organizations, and communities. She works as a leadership coach and mentor, a senior capacity development consultant in the global development space, and a lecturer. She helps individuals and organizations to consolidate and communicate their strengths and use their power of learning for personal and professional growth and transformation. So, Polina, welcome, welcome to our leader chat today. I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you, Jeff. I'm delighted to be here, and thank you for those kind words. Of course, of course. And um, as you know, I've described via email, and you and I have had a chance to talk and catch up, of course. Um, mm -hmm. The article really spoke to what I think is a, is a major need. So now that we've had you know, a chance to talk and you and I get to know each other, maybe you could just tell our listeners a little bit more kind of about yourself and your work. Sure. Um... So I think like many people these days, I wear a number of hats. I, as you mentioned, I have a, a leadership coaching and mentoring practice called Unabridged Leadership, um, with the unabridged really focusing on people bringing them their whole self to, to their work and making creating the space for leaders to show up as their whole self. And I also teach and research in the management and leadership space. I conduct research on particularly around women's leadership. And as you mentioned, I, I'm a contributor to HBR and I also regularly contribute to, to Forbes as well. I've worked in global health for over 20 years. I spent uh, 10 of it in the UN system, some of it in Ethiopia, working in sexual and reproductive health, HIV. And I've also spent another 10 years working in international INGOs, in international non-governmental organizations. And I've been based in Paris for the last 12 years with my family. So, um, you know, this, this article that, that I read mm -hmm. and which brought me to talking with you, um, it's, it's really focused on self-care, specifically towards leaders. So can you, can you just maybe tell us about what you find with leaders, um, assuming that, you know, our, our members haven't read this article yet, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, their interest level when it comes to taking care of themselves? Well, you know, that's a great question, and it, it kind of gets to the heart of, of why I wrote this article. Um, essentially, what I find in my coaching practice, and this is almost consistent, is uh, that when leaders show up for coaching, they tend to have a sense of resistance to, to self-care. And as I mentioned in the articles, there's a number of reasons for that. It can be something like they don't want to, to show weakness or vulnerability or this perceived weakness or vulnerability. There's often the, the excuse, and I will call it an excuse, that they don't have time. And sometimes there's just um, 
a reticence around the concept of self-care itself. Um, anything from, you know, it's too woo-woo, uh, it's too hippy-dippy, um, it's too new age. So, you know, when you're having this kind of, of reticence and resistance to self-care, in an initial conversation that can be, you know, that's really important that we spend some time trying to unpack that and, and see what's going on there. Um, in some cases, it, it can be a, more of a question, you know, there aren't these barriers and leaders are simply struggling um, with respect to time and maybe the how. So it, it's more the practicalities of how do we integrate self-care into our lives. Regardless, what we what we want to try and do is create some space and sometimes that means changing mindsets shifting and changing mindset sets so that we can talk about self-care and then you know that's a first step and then actually moving from that to creating practical practical things that we can integrate leaders can integrate into their daily lives so that they can practice self-care so what have you found in terms of, um, you know, some of those practical ideas? Um, so, for example, um, I don't know what they may be. There, there are some um, kind of, you know, as you describe hippy-dippy ideas that uh, a leader sometimes may roll their eyes at and say, well, I'm not doing that. What have you found that, you know, some leaders maybe are more accepting of in terms of, you know, okay, at least I'll try that. Um, what has been your experience there? Well, I think the first thing we need to remember is that self-care is as individual as the person doing it. So the one of the keys is finding out what works for somebody. So if somebody, for example, is resistant to meditation or visualization or things like that, what will they be open to doing? Mm -hmm. So, for example, and I used this in the article, I had one client who absolutely rolled his eyes when he heard about, you know, possible meditation, even a five minute one. Yet he was more than open to doing 15 minutes of the kid free jazz in the evening, which is also a form of self-care. So, you know, I'd argue that, first of all, we need to find out what are you open to? What do you enjoy doing? What's important for you? What lights your fire? What takes your mind off your work? And then let's start trying to work with those to develop your individual self-care package. And they don't have to be hour-long massages. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And we can do things in microbursts, which is really important. You know, the hour-long massage idea, like on an every-other-day basis, I think is, is pristine. Um, so I think that's a, if somehow that were realistic, that would, that would be something else. Um, I agree. <laughs> I agree. So, so you know, self-care for leaders is, has always been important, right? Um, this day and age, right now, because of, hmm. you know, COVID chaos, let's call it, um, things have changed, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. pressures have, have increased dramatically. I, we know that um, social emotional needs of people in general, but leaders too, have also increased. So, you know, in this era, um, how does, what's your, what's your current recommendations for leaders and how might have, have that have changed? You know, maybe just even over the past year because of what we're living through. Great question, Jeff. And you're right, things have changed. So, you know, I always start off 
when I'm talking about self-care, especially now, talking about how self-care, as you point out, is important in the best of times, and it's even more important in what we might, you know, as Charles Dickens says, the worst of times. So we really, you know, we really need to recognize that we are, you know, we're a year into a global pandemic. Um, people are feeling saturated. They're feeling emotionally exhausted. People are talking about being at the end of their reserves, tapped out. Yeah. You know, I think we've all heard these different expressions to, ex to articulate what we're feeling. If we're lucky, because there's some leaders who don't, even feel comfortable or able to articulate what they're feeling yet are still feeling it. And that's an, another problem, another challenge altogether. So I think one of the things that we've seen in the pandemic, which, which has been different is we've actually seen a lot of, of literature, a lot of discourse around how you need to be a compassionate leader, how you need to, to up your resilience, connect to your purpose, reframe what's going on, be mindful, be positive. You know, we've heard all of these things, including the importance of self-care. So we've had, we've been treated to a lot of great advice in terms of what leaders can add to their toolbox. And all of these have evidence behind them as strategies to, to improve our personal and professional effectiveness. What I have noticed certainly uh, I'd say about 10 months into the pandemic, what I started to hear more of is not so much about how do I, you know, how do I manage my team and how do I lead, but actually now the question is more about how do I sustain my energy a year into the crisis moving forward? So it's the question has moved from the how do I do this to more how do I sustain when I'm drained? And that's a really important question. And it, you know, I think it really gets to the work that you're doing in terms of trying to help your constituents, your, your leaders, how do we do that? And I think that self-care can be one mechanism to do that. You know, um, so I'm putting myself, it's been now uh, for me a couple of years since I've been out of, you know, the, the superintendent seat. And so um, if I were to, you know, think back and um, knowing how stressful the, the work was then, add COVID on top of it and try to think of myself. If someone were to recommend to me the concept of um, meditation. Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, some different strategies for self-care. Mm -hmm. I think that um, I may have felt a little bit overwhelmed only mm -hmm. because I had so little experience with that. I mean, the last, you know, year I've really um, worked hard on those things, but I probably wouldn't have if I was sitting in that seat that I once had. Okay. So the concept of something that, you know, you're not familiar with, it's very mm -hmm. easy for that to feel like, you know, overwhelming, right? We're, we're all mm -hmm. nervous about things that we just don't know about. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you start something? If you were to talking to say, um, our members, right? Leaders with, mm -hmm. you know, big responsibilities, um, uh, overwhelmed and, you know, wondering too, how they're going to sustain this energy, right? They, they thought this would be a few months. We all did. <laughs> and now we're almost a year into it, right? And we're all wondering, well, when will this end? So, mm -hmm. you know, what, what would your advice to them be on kind of 
where would they where would they start knowing that this may sound even overwhelming to them because it's so new? Right. Another great question. I think you bring up two important important points. One being around it being new, and the other around adding to an already overcharged agenda. So the sense of overwhelm. Is this another thing we have to do? Yes. Right. Yes. So I think. You know, one of the ways that I found to to surmount some of this this challenge is really to anchor the discussion in terms of um, priorities and health. And you know, again, what are the priorities in your life, and can you achieve those priorities without health and well-being? And when we start from that place, most people recognize that they have to have good health in order to accomplish what they'd like to accomplish. So that might be one way. You know, another way is, is really, again, asking people um, to think about, you know, if, if we're talking to your, your um, leaders in person, we might think about, you know, how can, how can actually choosing to respond from a place of, of health and well-being save you time in in terms of how you want to versus reacting from a place of, of stress so i think by trying to anchor things in the investment that it can provide to you and what you accomplish is one way then i think you know what we need to do too is talk about what are some of the simple strategies that you can put in place even just to for example maintain health and well-being so we know for example it's important to to eat well to exercise to drink so you know a small act of self-care is maybe every hour grabbing a glass of water you know adding cucumber if you have the time but adding a glass of water or having a glass of water sure. and setting your timer to do that or maybe you know walking around the block a 10-minute walk versus setting yourself an hour-long walk, or listening to 10 minutes of your favorite podcast, or it prioritizing sleep. Now, some of these things might seem commonsensical, but these are actually, well, arguably necessities, and, and sometimes people view them as self-care. I like to think of these as an important part of, of, of ensuring our overall well-being and are also acts of self-care at the same time. So those are just a few simple examples. Well, they're, and they're good ones. Um, you remind, I was having a conversation uh, very recently, yesterday with one of our leaders and I was, um, I was pressing her on whether she had uh, been taking care of herself and how she was doing. And you know, she was explaining to me that um, she didn't see that as a possibility because um, so many people were counting on her on a daily basis and she really felt like her job was to focus on them, not herself. Um, I did my best at the time to uh, flip it and say, well, of course it is. And it's, you know, it's important that you do a good job taking care of others. And how do you do that well over time in a sustained fashion unless you're finding small ways to take care of yourself? Because, you know, eventually, um, if you're not doing that, you may not be great for them, which is your, you know, intrinsic motivator in the first place. Um, so I was, I was doing my best to kind of, 
you know, create um, that space for her to take a breath and realize it's okay to do little things for myself because it'll help me be there for other people. Does that make sense? Well, Jeff, you said it beautifully. And if we can't, as leaders, if we are not taking care of ourselves and we have some sort of physical, mental breakdown of any kind, then we're not there for not only other, pe other people, maybe our employees or teachers, but also our families. Also, an important part of being a leader is, is showing up as a role model. So if we're not role modeling what it means to take care of ourselves and the importance of the self and the work that we do, then we're also arguably not fulfilling that role of being a leader, of, of setting an example as a leader. That's also something that we want to pay attention to as well. Yeah. But I always, you know, I, I, I think that there's always things we can do, even in microbursts, to take care of ourselves. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you bringing up even even just some of those small ideas that may seem simple, but people forget about. Such so, you know, taking taking a walk, occasionally taking fifteen minutes for yourself um, to take a breath. Um, mm -hmm. Some they can make a huge difference in just your rhythm of the day and your your state of mind, so to speak, as you engage. And as I said before, so many people rely on you, right? So, absolutely. What are what are some of your you know, future hopes, right, for, for leaders. Um, and, mm. and how are you kind of aligning your work to that? As you, you look forward and think, okay, you know, this is a hard, a hard time, but someday I hope, right, what's the, the, the yin and the yang of it for you? Mm. Actually, I think my, my generic hope for, for the future certainly in the context of COVID is that we actually are able to extract some of the powerful and positive lessons from the pandemic and integrate those into our, for lack of a better term, new world order. I, you know, for, for example, one, one lesson I hope that we take forward is really the importance of leadership, full stop. And also how anyone can lead. It's not reserved for CEOs, for members of the private sector, but how, for example, um, you know, many families, uh, mothers and fathers have led during the pandemic simply to organize their, their children's schooling from home. Or how, for example, other people have led in different capacities in terms of maybe giving care, organizing, um, you know, food drives. So there's just so many possibilities to lead. And really, you know, I really hope that we take away this idea that we are all have a responsibility to show up as a leader. I think that it's also important to, to take away how important emotional intelligence has been, specifically demonstrating empathy during this pandemic. And I really hope that we can make sure that that's integrated in the way that we lead, that we show empathy, compassion, and kindness as leaders. It becomes a leadership value. Um, I love the, the fact that there's actually been less business travel, which is not only great for yeah. most people's well-being, but it's also great for the environment. Bravo. <laughs> 
Um, I love the idea about, you know, for example, that we can learn from anywhere, we can work from anywhere, and the flexibility that that offers, particularly for, for many parents who want to work from home and also combine childcare duties. Um, so that's what I, you know, generally speaking, I, I hope um, we see moving forward. And again, given that I work in the leadership space, I, I really hope personally that we all have, we all continue to lead and that we, we recognize the importance, the value of leadership that is based on values. Uh, Polina, what you just said, I mean, number that's an incredible list, and the fact that you can probably pull that off uh, from the top of your head, specific to some of your hopes, um, I think is really impressive. The, the fact that, and I've, I've seen this happen, so it is a silver lining to this challenge. Um, I've seen it happen with, with leaders, but also thinking about how leaders are taking care of teachers, and most importantly, how we're thinking about the development of kids. It's yeah. very easy for school systems to become extremely focused on academics, as we should. That's our job. Um, but in the meantime, as um, you know, pressures have increased even prior to COVID for youth, social and emotional needs of students has risen dramatically. And this has just brought it to the limelight. And so potentially it's also woken us up even for the future post-COVID that we recognize how important it is to take care of the person, not just the academic profile of the student. And um, so what, what you said just resonated. I think that that's, it's, it's wise. And that's a, that's a hope of mine as well. Oh. Yeah. So, um, you know, Belinda, this has been great. I really appreciate you being, being with us today. Um, and... You know, I was so neat that I got to hear a siren just now in your background because your sirens are different than ours, right? You're and right. so I think it, it just proved to our listeners that you being in Paris and me being in Atlanta, we're not lying, right? So that was accurate. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, so ladies and gentlemen, we're, um, we're very uh, appreciative um, to be able to have Polina with us. And Polina, I'll tell you this, that um, the article that you wrote that was in the Harvard Review as well as some of your uh, other contributions via your website and so forth. Um, I'll be placing those things on our online channel where our members talk and communicate as a resource. Um, so know that's the case. And as conversations continue um, with our members, if there's anything that comes to light, I'll make sure to share it um, with you because I think that that sharing of information and perspective is just helpful for us both as we support other people. So um, does that make sense? And thank you so much for being with us today. Well, that, that certainly makes sense. Um, I, I, I have another resource I'd love to share with you, so I'll make sure that I send that over to you and you can include for your members. It has some, some tips on micro acts of self-care that can be done in under 10 minutes. Some can be done in 30 seconds. So I want to share that with your members. Um, for those of your leaders who might not have a lot of time at their disposal. And I, I want to thank you for, for inviting me and allowing me to, to share with you during this wonderful venue. And I certainly applaud the work that you're doing with your community as well. Oh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And that resource would be great. So, you know, this won't be the end of our communication. 
um, right. and for you to make yourself available during what I would consider to be dinner time, your time. Um, also appreciated that, appreciative after a very long day, I'm sure. So thank you, Polina. I appreciate you. Thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Jeff Rose with Leading Ed, and uh, we will continue to bring content that we know is relevant and pragmatic and digestible for you. Um, everyone, have a great day. Be well.